Hey guys, welcome to a Bird Hunter's Thoughts, Turn Them Loose, a podcast about all things bird dogs and bird hunting. If you get a chance, go ahead and like and subscribe and share this program. Send it to a friend. Well, let's go ahead and get to today's program. Well, I actually took my ESP, Electronic Shooters Protection Form Fit Custom Attenuators, to a field trial this last month. Uh, It was one of the major trials in Nastra in Osceola, Iowa. And while I didn't win it, in fact, I only made one cut, (laughs) we gave it a good try and I got plenty of shooting. One thing I noticed is when I put these in, I, within minutes, forgot I even had them in. They were so comfortable. And uh, when I started shooting, that's when I noticed it made it a lot nicer out on the field. Um, Lately, I had been actually feeling it in my ears when somebody shot around me, and it uh, kind of hurt. So... I was losing all my hearing in the right side and a lot of my hearing in the left side, and that was verified by the doctor's testing. And uh, I sent those results into ESP America, and they sent me back some custom hearing attenuators, and they are they are wonderful. Uh, ESPamerica.com. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tune up their website and, and see what they can do for you. Thanks. Welcome back, guys. Today we're going to talk with Bob St. Pierre from Pheasants Forever and uh, Quail Forever uh, out of St. Paul, Minnesota. And he's got some pretty exciting things to tell us, uh, stuff that I never knew about that organization. And uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Pheasant Fest as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, I'm on the phone with Bob St. Pierre of uh, Quail Forever. I'm sorry, Pheasants Forever. And uh, he is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Presence Forever, uh, located up in his office up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Are you there, Bob? I am, and, and you were right the first time. It's it's Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, so uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 no need to correct yourself. Uh, um, I can speak on behalf of both organizations because it's the same organization. That's great. And I notice you've got... Most of your members are Pheasant Forever members, and then uh, then you've got some Quail Forever members. I guess most of them in the South, I would assume. Yeah, you know, uh, Pheasants Forever started in 1982 in Minnesota, and, and that side of the organization represents about 125,000 members. Um, wow. So, you know, we're, like I said, we're... 37, 38 years old on the pheasant side. Quail Forever is um, significantly younger, started in 2005. Um, and we've got about, uh, well, we're closing in on 20,000 members on, on the quail side. And if you think about the pheasant range, uh, you draw a line across, say, middle Missouri, middle Illinois, Nebraska, Kansas, um, all the way up to Calgary, Alberta. That's kind of the pheasant range. That same line, uh, you know, Illinois, Missouri, 
Kansas, Nebraska, drop south and west, and uh, that's the quail range. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we started quail forever in 2005, our, our the first area of considerable growth for quail was kind of in that right on that line, the mixed bag states we referred to it as Nebraska, mm-hmm. Kansas. That's where quail forever took off. But then now that we're in our you know 14th year quail forever, just like you you would assume we're we have some membership explosions happening across the southeast, Texas, um, and in, into the west. Um, you know, that the fringe states where the Pheasants Forever brand and our model and our organization was well known as where quail kind of took off first just because it, it was a natural extension and people people knew yeah. what made made us unique. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, do you, I... I I was just thinking while I was listening to you there. Do you deal with any other uh, species other than Bob White? Do you? Yeah. Are you concerned about the blue quail or? Yeah, that, that's a great question. We actually do. We we only have the two brands, so you can only join as a member of Pheasants Forever or Quail Forever. But we're intimately involved. Um, with the sage grouse initiative in the West, um, we, we work really closely with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's um, Natural Resources Conservation Service, known as known as NRCS. Right. We're one of their primary partners on um, creating or protecting sage grouse habitat for sage grouse. Uh, we do work in Kansas, New Mexico, Texas, Colorado. Um, with that same group, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's NRCS on the lesser prairie chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do some work in, oh, out on the East Coast, uh, Eastern United States, also in parts of uh, Minnesota and, uh, on some woodcock habitat. Um, and then a variety of our projects that maybe pheasants are the primary beneficiary uh, but the connected right to that are sharp-tailed grouse and greater prairie chickens, and we have all sorts of projects. Well, I guess you throw um, a Hungarian partridge in that mix too. We have all sorts of projects across the Dakotas, Montana, Minnesota, Wisconsin that benefit um, a variety of prairie grouse species. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that is maybe not really in, um, naturally intuitive is um, pollinators and monarch butterflies. Um, what we term as po- um, brood habitat, you know, flowering plants, coneflower, blanket flower, milkweed, that's mixed in with prairie grasses, that, that kind of habitat is critical for when pheasants and quail chicks are born, you know, very... Right very early um, um, summertime. Well, that exact same habitat with those flowers is critical habitat for pollinators and monarch butterflies. Um, so it's it, it basically connects back to what we learned all as third graders, uh, the web of life. Everything is sort of inter- interconnected. And, mm-hmm. and we found in the last decade that uh, we can reach a lot of new audiences um, agencies, partners, and, and landowners by connecting the dots between pheasants, quail, honeybees, and monarch butterflies. <laughs> that is very interesting. And yeah, right. I never, I never connected those dots, but you're exactly right. 
uh, yeah, and, and, and the magnitude of that importance, um, if you think about what we eat as as humans, uh, one in three bites of food that you take needs pollination. And you've probably read the news reports about our honeybee populations across the country crashing because of neonicotinoids, uh, insecticides used on uh, a chemical used on, on some of our uh, vegetables and fruits. And and by our organization's ability to plant this pollinator habitat, we can we can um, you know help bring back some of those uh, those populations, mm-hmm. which ties back to healthier food and um, better quality of life for us as humans, not only for pheasants, quail, and pollinators. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you guys uh, get together at your pheasant fest in uh, every uh, – what time of year is that? Is that in February or – So National Pheasant Fest at Quail Classic is – is uh kind of the super bowl of upland for upland game enthusiasts uh uh it, it occurs every february uh we move it around the country this past year it was in Schaumburg, illinois uh the year before that was in sioux falls south dakota and uh february 14th 15th 16th 2020 it'll be in our uh we'll, we'll be playing a home game so to speak we'll be in minneapolis st paul um, for a National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Excellent. That's great. I was uh, supposed to speak at when when it was in Omaha. The last year it was in Omaha, and uh, the weather was so bad I couldn't get there. So, um, and I have not been since. So, uh, it's just grown by leaps and bounds, uh, from what I hear. And uh, it seems like anybody that's anybody is going to be going to Pheasant Fest in the middle of February. So. Uh, yeah, just, it, it, just, it, it, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, just from the standpoint of someone that uh, is not involved with your organization, I'm just letting you know that the word on the screen is that's the place to be. That's, <laughs> well, awesome. yeah. that's good. You know, when people <laughs> hear about it for the first time, you know, they automatically think, um, wow, that blaze orange and shotguns. And, and that's absolutely true. It's it's open to the public. It's going to have the latest and greatest shotguns and hunting clothing and hunting destinations. But it is, you know, we're a nonprofit conservation organization, so it taps into our mission. Uh, the minute you walk through those gates, you can see mm-hmm. that our our mission is creating habitat, and we have partners from. You know, like the Nebraska Game of Parks Commission or the Minnesota DNR, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. If you own property anywhere in the country, you can sit down at Pheasant Fest with one of our biologists and walk through different programs that you may be able to um, do to improve the habitat on your land for wildlife and and, and get paid for it at the same time. Yeah. So it's got that it's got the habitat component, it's got the hunting component. It's got the bird dog component, which, you know, it's awfully darn tough to hunt pheasants and quail without bird dogs, and it's the number one attraction to the show. We kick off the event with a, um, a parade of bird dogs. Last year, we had over 50 different breeds of bird dogs and 140 <laughs> participants, and then uh, every hour on the hour, we have a, a dog training stage with Purina and sport dog e-collars. Um, everything from how to pick a puppy to training your bird dog to hunt antler sheds. 
Um, and then we have a wild game cooking stage uh, with the explosion of people wanting to, you know, not only eat what they what they chase, but to also make it taste delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. We have some of the the best wild game chefs from around the country do demonstrations every hour on the hour. So if it's if it's uh, pheasant feather jewelry to uh, you know a, a sling for your shotgun to finding a new puppy or buying a new piece of artwork for your wall um, or even buying a tractor uh, to plant habitat anything you can possibly connect the dots to um, to habitat conservation bird hunting it, it's on the floor at Pheasant Fest. Wow, wow! Well, this may be the year I got to get there. Yeah, come on up. You know, it, it sounds. Uh, um, it sounds cold coming to Minneapolis uh, yeah, in February, but it's uh, it's an absolutely great time with uh, thirty thousand of your um, like-minded friends. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, it does sound cold, actually, but uh, but that's okay. That's okay. That's the place to be. Uh, bird hunter, bird hunters are hardy. And we're uh, when our season ends, you know, we would like to to check out those destinations and like I said there's you know if you've ever thought about um checking out a different breed of bird dog whether it's a small Munsterlander or a Spinoni Italiano or a Brachtu Bourbonese uh Deutsch Vuchtelhauen you got to learn different languages to pronounce oh these dogs but yeah. but they they are all on the floor at Pheasant Fest uh best bird dog breeders in the country will be there no, that's exciting. That really is. I, I think that would be. There's just so much to cover. Uh, I was talking to Scott Linden in an earlier pod, podcast, and he uh, he actually gave a guide, published a guide on how to see pheasant fest. You know, <laughs> he, he said, when you come in, don't go right or left. He said, 80% of the people turn to the right. So you're going to be waiting in line, going all the way. He said, go straight to the back. Just go all the way to the back. As far as you can go, you can't go any farther, and then go left and right. <laughs> you'll be all by yourself back there. You'll be able to see all the booths and talk to everybody you want. Won't be anybody around. And uh, so, you know, it's big enough to where people actually give you guides as to how to. <laughs> Scott's cool. always breaking it down with a bird hunter's mind uh, of a game plan, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walk into the wind, so you smell yeah. the hot dogs the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Always into the wind. Yeah. And now, so do you hunt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So uh, if you're familiar with the term youper, oh, yeah. uh, I'm a youper. And so I grew up um, uh, chasing rough grouse in, in Woodcock in, in the UP. Came to Minnesota for college, stayed for my first job. I worked in um, minor league baseball for seven seasons and then an opportunity opened up and at pheasants forever and uh, i've been here going on 17 years now so yeah i'm a um, passionate bird hunter i hunt every single weekend of the season um, and spend my holidays chasing all sorts of things from from quail to uh, rough grouse to pheasants to prairie mm. grouse um, all yeah. generally i uh, you'll find Oh, somewhere in the area of seven states hunting licenses in my wallet each year. Oh, I know. I know what you mean. And, and, and you know, it used to be when I started doing all this stuff, the hunting license was just 
a hindrance. Oh, no, a hindrance, but I mean, it's just something like money-wise that what did he big deal? Mm-hmm. I pay 35 40 50 bucks. Now, I mean, it seems like all the states are raising their hunting fees. I'm, I'm paying well over $100 most of the time. And in some states, it's only for five or six days of hunting. Ten days of hunting in South Dakota. And yeah. Or 12 days in North Dakota, so... That's okay. Uh, yeah, it is. I think it is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's generally, you know, um, that that's one of the smaller expenses. I think about the tank of, tank of gas, the hotel room. You know, um, yeah. you know that hundred. Even if it's a hundred and thirty dollar license in South Dakota, um, you know, considering the public land that that opens the doors to in some of these walk-in programs and you know in the diminishing number of hunters on the landscape um i'm 100 percent comfortable helping to contribute to those habitat and access acres through a license because there's you know if we want to uh to make sure these traditions and this opportunity continues and you know hunters still got to continue to lead the way with those dollars and yeah, the license yeah, generally is. is a smaller piece of that puzzle. It is. It is. Uh, that one grew, and then the other thing I noticed, the other expense that I've run into is, of course, fuel costs. Hmm. I just didn't even used to think about them, but now they're a major expense. But, yeah, and that's just part of, if you're going to drive, you know, 2,000 miles to hunt birds, that's just what you're going to have to put up with. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. But anyway, yeah, I think I had 10 licenses last year. <laughs> and my wife, my wife said, uh, you know, a drawer full of them, you know. And in some states, like, uh, I think in South Dakota, <clears throat> I had to buy two of them. Yep. And yeah, I went sure. back a couple of times. Started out, started out in the grasslands in, uh, before pheasant season, and I went back, uh, for, uh, uh, sharp tails and, and, uh, pheasant later on in the year. And, so that's just the way it works out. But but they do have a great program, no doubt. They do, and there's um, there's so many different public access programs in the, sta- in the state of South Dakota, in particular. It's um, yeah. it's a place that, uh, without question, I buy um, I buy at least one license in South Dakota every year, and that gives you those two sets of five days. And mm-hmm. many times, I find myself. Uh, recognizing that's not enough time in South Dakota and I'll have to buy that second license because it is because you got to go chase sharp tails and prairie chickens early out there it's just it's such a beautiful walk and it's such a unique experience and then you got to oh, yeah. go back and hunt pheasants around the opener and then at, you know pretty quickly you realize it's a great place to go chase late season roosters so yep. Yeah, most of the time, most of the time you're looking at two two licenses in South Dakota, and that's Absolutely. well worth it. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, of course Montana, they got, they're an entity into themselves, but you can get a yearly license there, which is which is good. So yeah, I had a terrific uh, trip to Montana last year where I hunted on horseback for uh, sharp tails and in, in huns for my very first time on, on oh, horseback. Wow. And, it was uh it was really really interesting experience to watch to watch your dogs work um at greater distances from you cuz you're covering so much ground and you know it's that sharp tail country so it's not like hunting a pheasant uh you know a CRP yeah. field um yeah. just beautiful beautiful landscape a really unique experience and a lot of fun yeah so you have dogs then 
Yeah, I got a pair of short hairs. Uh, currently, I've got uh, a five-year-old and a twelve-year-old, uh, both short hairs. And twelve-year-old uh, is uh, is still holding their own. I, I thank God every day that uh, she's she her health is good. And she continues to hunt with me. I'm a couple months away now from the start of the 2019 season, so fingers crossed she'll be be uh in good shape to help me but i do have uh uh my third pup set to um set to be born here in a couple weeks uh, with a take-home date around september 14th which is uh, which isn't the the it's going to make the busiest time of the year even busier but it's the breeding that i've been waiting for for a couple of years so mm-hmm. um so we're going to add the third pup to the family here soon Oh, that's great. Yeah. About five years difference is what I always try to get. But it doesn't work out all the time, but that's just being optimum. No, it doesn't. I, I had a I had a pup in between that uh tragically passed away and mm-hmm. um yeah, it doesn't always work out the way you stagger them. So when when the opportunity to add the bloodlines popped up that I um I just I couldn't pass it up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, now you have a blog and a podcast of your own, do you not? Well, yeah, uh, we do a, a pheasants forever and quail forever podcast uh, called On the Wing, On the Wing. Uh, and we we produce we've been producing that since last fall, um, uh, fall of 2018. I think we've got 30, 33, 34 um, episodes out there for folks to listen to. Uh-huh. Uh, I also do a, um, a radio show in the Twin Cities every Saturday morning um, with, uh, with uh, I'm a co-host to uh, the Captain Billy Hildebrand, a good friend of mine, hosts the show, and he's been doing it for almost 30 years, and I'm the uh, co-host on Saturday mornings, and that's called Fan Outdoors on, on KFAN out of the Twin Cities, and you can get that. Oh, in, uh, you can pick that up uh, on a on the fan radio network across part of South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and all over Minnesota, and it's mm-hmm. online at uh, kfan.com. Um, on the Wing podcast, you can find at pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org. And then, uh, yeah, I do a little writing as well, and you can find that on Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's website as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well... Um, I noticed I had one other thing I wanted to mention, and uh, and that was that I noticed when I hunt Merns quail down there, one of their local chapters is puts on a quail forever uh, quail festival down in Sonoya on December 8th on the opening weekend of Merns season. And uh, you said that you were thinking about uh, hunting Merns quail this year down there at, uh, in that area. So, yeah, I uh I I purchased uh, a live auction hunt with a buddy of mine at last year's National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Um so I I am locked and loaded. I'll be hunting uh that Patagonia area uh I think it's the second or third week of January. It'll be my first opportunity on Mern's Quail. I've I've chased a variety of other species but to this date not Mern's. So Hopefully, God willing, I'll I'll be able to check that one off our, off my list. Yeah, it's been uh, you know I've been down there in years when uh, ten fifteen cubbies a day was routine, 
and then for the last two years it's been kind of it's been kind of sparse down there so hopefully they'll make a good comeback uh they're getting a lot of rain and uh that's probably a good thing uh, they don't even pair up until much later in the year. You know, they don't even pair up, I don't think, until June or July. Hmm. Uh, they're a late, late pairing up bird. But anyway, you'll learn more about them. But what a wonderful bird that is. What a wonderful habitat. And I used to think chucker hunters were clickish. You haven't seen clickish yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hunters, I... <laughs> hunters would rather sell their bird dogs and tell you where they're going to go. <laughs> it's kind of like morel mushroom hunters. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've still yet to find my first morel that I keep looking. But, but yeah, <laughs> I think I got, I got kind of voted on the island among this group of guys who's been going down there for 35 years, and most of them live in the area. And I don't know how it happened, but I, I ended up being welcomed into their group, and uh, they made it. They made it perfectly clear to me in no, in no uncertain terms that I will not tell anybody where we go. <laughs> well, I will <laughs> well, I might have to barter uh, a morel mushroom spot for a Mern's quail spot for you off air. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> anyway. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Bob. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot about uh about the organization, about what you guys do, which I didn't really realize it was, it was all that. I totally yeah, realized. yeah, yeah. Our slogan is the Habitat Organization. So if you're an upland bird hunter out there, no matter what you chase, if it's got feathers, we're we're definitely helping it. And uh, I guess I'd encourage folks to to go on our websites, uh, pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org. We we definitely need your membership, uh, and in, I'd invite you to join and. Get involved in habitat conservation. I appreciate you having me on the show, Randy. Thanks a lot, Bob. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Very good. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode, and... I'd uh, encourage you all to go ahead and share this with friends. Uh, Go ahead and like and subscribe if uh, you can. I noticed that the platforms have changed now. Uh, Most people aren't using Anchor. They're using their iPhones, which is uh, great. That's an easy way to do it. Just tell, hey, Siri, play a bird hunter's thoughts. And suddenly the podcast will appear. But I'd also like to... uh, let you know that my book has been published. It's called Endless October. It's paperback on Amazon, and you can go ahead and order it there. Uh, it's also an ebook, and uh, you can order it as well. Uh, if you go to my Facebook page, Endless October, uh, there's a uh, spot on there where you can order an autographed copy if you desire. So you can also visit a bird hunter's thoughts. Uh, my blog and you can uh, listen to the podcast there and you can also um, read uh, a lot of the articles that are in the books so I appreciate you guys Uh, once again like uh, subscribe and share and until next time thank you